0: Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life Self Mastery and today I'm excited to have Moo, who's a former Bloomberg anchor, uh, who's done an MBA from Stanford University Graduate School of Business and uh, done an MPA from Harvard Kennedy School of Government. Uh, Siki was awarded Forbes 30 Under 30 in 2019, uh, and she was in Magazine's 30 Rising Stars Under 30 in 2018. Welcome to the show, Siki.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Awesome. So, um, so you know, you you have a, a a great resume. You've been a Bloomberg anchor. Uh, you've done your MBA from Stanford. Uh, what made you you know get into this crazy world of entrepreneurship?
1: Great question. Um, thank you so much for asking that. So, uh, I've always had a a pretty a pretty big insecurity about my own uh, skin when I was growing up, uh, especially during the college years, because uh, my face had all these issues um, and I tried so many products and asked my friends for help and then got their recommendations and then bought those products but realized it didn't really work because our skin is very very different. Um, so I kind of kept this like on the back of my mind that I felt like it was the way we purchased skincare and um, beauty products was very very antiquated and then it seems like a lot of, women and and some men as well who suffer from like acne or active skin conditions had to go through a lot of trial and errors um so but i didn't really act on it uh, immediately after i graduated from college i went into um i went into big companies to work so i worked at Morris stanley i almost took this job from google but ended up you know going to wall street instead but um you know spent a couple of years in the big companies like researching these um, big sectors. So I used to cover actually a lot of the consumer product companies like j and J, P and Gs, I realized that the reason why um, a lot of like, a lot of the, the, the whole beauty industry is actually pretty um, it's pretty antiquated and hasn't really innovated too much. For it, there's a reason of it. It's because the whole industry is too consolidated and too um, it's like an ugly god by a lot of these big companies. So. Goal is that they wanted you to go through all these trial and errors and to buy more products. And um, they spent like over 80% of the budget on marketing uh, because they want to kind of play on people's insecurity. But really like on the consumer side, we don't really have a lot of, we don't really have a lot of power and a lot of the insights on what actually would work for me. So um, when I went back to school, after spending a couple years in, you know, researching these companies in the investment bank, I realized that there could be a good opportunity uh, here in um, in the beauty industry using technology. And it, now it's like actually a pretty good time because uh, the way that we process data is a lot faster than before. So um, even though I didn't act on it when I graduated from college, it's probably like a good thing because back then the data processing speed was not as fast as right now and the selfie culture and all that stuff. Is also not quite there. So um, we looked into how can we solve the issue of, you know, helping people find the best skincare and beauty products, based on, um, based on what fits them. And then we realized after talking to like three hundred different women, like near Stanford area, like this is actually a pretty common pain that's not just bothering me and myself, but also a lot of other women. Um, So then we realized that uh, can we use modern technology to do this? Like, are there similar things that's already been happening in other verticals that we can borrow from? So the work, one of the first cases that we looked into was um, the emergence of dating apps and how that has helped people find their fit, but not obviously not in the beauty industry, but find their best match for love. And we realized that we can actually um, kind of build the same technology and use a lot of um, collaborative filtering models for, uh, that's part of the machine learning subset to help people find the best matches for their their face. So that's kind of how we started. And um, the reason why I'm so passionate about this project.
0: Interesting you talk about that, you know, Beauty industry plays on the in the insecurity of of a woman on how she how she looks and the beauty and all that. Uh, so you know, uh, do you think in the in the recent time these uh, it has changed, uh, or, or do you think you know the beauty ads still play on on the insecurity of uh, of you know how a person looks and how the society perceives them? Um,
1: I think. I think the whole thing about you know skincare, especially uh, and some care, care pr- uh, company playing on people's insecurity and um, people's people's um, desire to be appreciated has always been there, and I don't think it will change because this is this is a very psychological thing, um, and I think it's actually it's okay. I think it's okay to it's okay to. Um, you know, connect with the consumer on an emotional level to mm-hmm. help cure these insecurity and that's why in a lot of our branding messages uh, what we do is that we want to make sure that the service that we created for customers um, is a tool that helps them in, empower themselves to make these decisions and um, whether it's to find the best mattress for your skin or feeling more confident and more empowered because I personally when I suffered from those acne issues when I was in college I didn't really feel confident about myself and that affected a lot of other things I do not just how I I think I look but um you know how I present myself how I get public speaking um, kind of opportunities and how I you know perform on stage when I play the piano and all that stuff it, it really it really kind of sucked right so um okay. I think what we wanted to create is that you. We understand that you have insecurities, and just like other people too, we like the founders. We have insecurity as well, which is why we started this business. Right. Um, and and we're here to help that. Uh, we're here to give you empower you with tools um, that it's very high tech to um, to be able to empower you with the the products that you need instead of having you going through so many different products and wasted all those money and time, but find out that it doesn't work so that you could feel less insecure and more confident.
0: Makes sense. And, uh, you know, um, hello always, is uh, you know, claims to be an AI powered smart platform, uh, which provides a skin uh, skincare product recommendation. So, so how, do, how, how do you use, um, uh, you know, AI to, to recommend, uh, you know, others do you, do you put up a quiz, which gets you to understand what is, what are the skin requirements?
1: Yeah. So there are a couple of places that we use, um, uh, machine learning to help people, um, you know, find the best, find, make the right decision. So the first part is we use quiz and also uh, photos to understand what, what is your skin needs instead of someone else's skin needs. So that gives us initial assessment of uh, what are some of the products that could work for you. Um, and then we um, send these recommendations to a, rec- a, a skin advisor who is a real human. Um, so the skin advisor is usually a dermatologist or a licensed esthetician and they actually have a lot of skincare knowledge that could correct correct the recommendations um, by the computer if they want to and modify and override those recommendations. So that part we use supervised learning um, to basically make sure the recommendation we're finalizing and sending to the end consumers are uh, double checked and validated by human. Um and then the third part is how we collect feedback and then use that as a as an active loop to refine these recommendations over time so around two weeks after we um, after we get the uh, after you get the products you uh, we usually send you a pretty simple and fun uh, feedback form that uh, that allows the customers to be able to input like how they're liking it. Um, so these feedbacks are actually really, really important for us to refine the technology like over time and make sure the machine can learn from these uh, customers' uh, feedback and customers' uh, real-time information. Um, and then that helps, that, helps peop- that helps two things. One is that helps us recommend things better to the same customer. Um, in the future, because the more feedback we have, obviously the more data points we have about her or him. Uh, and then the second thing it helps is that, which is more important is that um, other people who have shared similar kind of data points, whether it's based on the photo data points or the quiz data points could also benefit from uh, this person's feedback because they the, rec- the recommendation system has identified these two customers are very very similar so person A's uh, feedback will help person B basically get better recommendations in the future so that's um, part of the whole uh, content-based filtering uh, series so we use that to basically use the community's crowdsource feedback to help other people in the community
0: interesting and um, you know you, you've got more than 80 80 brands on your, on your platform so, uh, do you do you stock uh, or the inventory of all these brands, and and what are the you know different revenue models do you have uh, currently on your platform? Uh,
1: yeah, so the main uh, revenue model is through sales of products. So we uh, we don't necessarily have to stock these products. A lot of them are actually through whenever the products are sold, um, then we pay the brands um, a, like a portion of it or and uh we so we take and another business model is on kind of licensing some of our technology so we recently did a partnership with Unilever, which allows us to license our uh, personalization recommendation system for a hair analyzer they built on their website that's already live and so anyone can try it it's actually live for the whole world so not just people in the u.s but also people outside of the U.S. can try it out, that kind of get, get your personalized hair recommendations for um, hair products.
0: Correct, and uh, you know, you you also managed to have uh, you know partnerships with with Unilever and and, and other companies. Uh, and and uh, interestingly, you uh, uh, looks like you know more than thirty percent of the users uh, are coming back to to repurchase uh, the, the the you know the product. So how is it that you know the the repurchase uh, uh, percentage percentages is, is much higher than what is there in the e-commerce world which is uh you know say less than 10 percent uh
1: yeah no that's a very kind of you. but uh the main thing i think what we're trying to build into product is make sure that this is not a one-time thing uh okay. we are not here to help you out and then and then you get it and then you go away and go somewhere else right so uh what we're trying to build with the customer is a recurring relationship and and truly skincare is not a it's not a one-time thing. It actually is. It's a constantly evolving business, right? Like my skin could change from season to season, uh, and also from age. Like you know, I uh, we we have a lot of customers. For example, when they got on the platform, they're um, they're single or they're just married, and then a year later they have a baby coming up, so they have to change a lot of their skincare's uh, regimen because of the hormone change and pregnancy and all those needs. So that was really interesting. And we want to make sure that um, the the relationship we build with the customer is long lasting, but also it's a trackable experience. So the whole point of us collecting these feedback is because we can reflect it back to the customer so they know whether their skin is already doing better or not. And that helps uh, helps us give them more recommendations over time. Uh, and also helps them to build a more trusting relationship with us. And I think once that's there, um, the trust was built, then obviously uh, commerce and purchasing behavior comes secondhand. Uh, also another thing that we, we, do, uh, we do try to incentivize our customers for is we give them a little bit of refill discount. So if they refill it through the platform, they get a slight discount, so they have a high, even more incentive to do so. But it's, but it has really, it has really. I think the main thing is still the relationship that's trackable and long lasting.
0: Got it. And um, do you have other competitors in in this segment? I'm I'm sure that there are a lot of uh, companies who are trying to trying to target this, but, um, but, how, uh. uh but you know, I think SoftBank had recently invested into into a company called, if I'm not uh, wrong, it's called Brandless. But how uh, how 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 would you you know? Uh, uh, so the Brandless? question is, yeah.
1: Oh yeah, I know Brandless. Uh, we actually share one or two investors together. I think one of them is called Gingerbread, which is part of the spin from um, uh, from George Roberts' uh, family office, who is the founder of KKR. Um brandless I think it's pretty different from what we do brandless they make product that is at a fraction of the cost and the okay. whole point of and their whole brand is brandless right so so right. that this way you are not purchasing you're not like they the they're message is that the customers you don't have to spend money on paying for branding but rather the quality of goods that's inside of the package so um and they have us uh, Pretty big suite of products. Uh, I think essentially what Brandless has built, which is very impressive, is a is a brand company. It is make it's a manufacturing company, right? It's um they make products and then they sell the products. What we do is just different. We are a tool, we we're, we're a platform. We don't make any products, so we are just um, curating other people's products and then we take a commission out of the sales.
0: Got it. but do you have uh, any other competitor in this space uh, who using AI to uh, to solve other uh, skin needs?
1: Yeah, we have. Uh, there's some. There are a few like similar companies. I, I I think it's not like direct direct competitors. There's companies that basically use AI to um, to make a product that's personalized to you. That's based in San Francisco. Who basically could uh, personalize a product, but they sell you the product that they make as well. Uh, whereas we are more like a brand agnostic platform. And there are other companies uh, based in New York that basically use um, personalization was to help you find the best perfume and scent. Um, so those are all kind of playing the same, similar, um, similar field. Yeah.
0: Okay. and. Um, um, I, I was wondering, you know, what were the customer acquisition channels you were using to, you know, get your first thousand users or, uh, or, or you know, uh, initially when you started out, what were the yeah. you know, channels you had used?
1: So the first thousand users, we got it all from organic. Actually, we didn't, we actually didn't do any paid ads until end of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the, I would say most of. Um, are actually beta users and their uh, network of friends. So a lot of my friends from business school obviously tested out the service before we even launched. So these these were like my really close friend. Obviously, they be really supportive and they told their friends about it. So that kind of extension of network um, expanded. Um, so those are kind of a main source of our first few customers. Um, also, we are pretty lucky. We got featured pretty early on to be one of the 18 companies in 2017 to launch at TechCrunch. So we went on stage and we gave a whole presentation that's similar to uh, what you watched in the TV show, Silicon Valley. And um, that got us a huge amount of press actually um, from, you know, big like Cosmopolitan, Yale E-type, but also from like TechCrunch, uh, Forbes, type of a fast company type of press so I think a lot of people saw it on the press and they're like oh this is cool it's something new and they want to try it so most of those uh, early users came from those channels
0: interesting and uh, um, and uh, is it only on the website or do you also have an app where people can can use the the product and uh, uh, yeah I mean uh, how, how do you how do you get the website and app downloads?
1: Uh, right now we don't have an app, but it's a mobile, mobile web app. Yeah.
0: Okay. Got it. And uh, do you, all, do you have influences also on your platform? Like are, are you using Instagram influencers and the YouTube influencers who can come? Yeah, on we
1: and- we're pretty big on Instagram. We focus, we have 40.5 thousand uh, followers on Instagram. So, you know, for the people who are listening to this podcast, obviously I would appreciate if you guys can follow us. On Instagram, uh, it's just Hello Ava Beauty. Hello Ava, A V A Beauty. And then uh, we do work with a lot of influencers um, who will basically kind of use V Lock or use uh, Instagram or, uh, or Instagram photos to record their experience using Hello Ava. And those we uh, have done really, really well. And they will post about the experience. Um, how they get a personalization service, and what they get matched to, and then how they 're using the products and how they're liking the products so um, and they will post on their channel on Instagram on youtube and um, some of them have TikTok and they put on all like their channels so so those has also been really helpful in terms of um, creating new users groups for
0: us okay and and currently you know what is the, what is the biggest acquisition channel?
1: Uh, It's through pay social, so on
0: Instagram ads and Facebook ads. Got it. And, uh, uh, you know, interestingly, uh, uh, you know, as you mentioned, you raise funding from Gingerbread Capital, uh, SoCal Ventures, uh, Uh Long Venture Partners, and and a lot of other angel investors. Uh, But you recently uh, uh, launched uh, your product on a crowdfunding platform called Republic. Um, so, you know, w- why did you raise funds from crowdfunding platform and uh, what do you, uh, and w- why are you using the funds to, uh, yeah. uh, where do you plan to deploy the funds?
1: Yeah, so basically um, what we realized is that uh, in the past because we we have the fortune to be coming from Silicon Valley as a startup from Stanford Business School, so we have had a pretty good, like relatively easy time raising money from institutional investors, and uh, we've always get reached out by um, institutional investors on the on our progress and uh, invest in like, how they can invest in our company. So we we've, we've been pretty lucky on that. But we realize what we're lacking is uh, another group of investors who could actually be users, ambassadors for the service, and advocates for us. And these people are very very different from um, the institutional investors. The behavior is completely completely different and um, you know we don't need to raise too much fund from them because that's not the major the major purpose of the funds but rather it's more for kind of spreading the love and spreading and giving the power of some of the retail investors to be able to tell their friends about it so we um that's why when um one of our actual institutional investors told us about this we were originally actually a little hesitant because um, I didn't really want to do crowdfunding. I told them that we have no trouble raising money. Why do I need to do crowdfunding? Right. Uh, but then they told me the whole purpose of doing so and why it's important, especially to recruit users um, and have them be your ambassador the, of the, the brand and spread the love. It's actually really, uh, really, it's actually really uh a lot easier than like using Facebook, for example, to acquire users, so that we uh, we we decided to try it. And obviously, we try trying to limit the amount a little bit, so that we don't we can cap the amount at, uh, at a certain level, so that it doesn't become like too diluted with uh, too many uh, retail investors. Yeah.
0: Got it. and uh, uh, you know, uh, I could see that you got a co- you got a stellar uh, you know co founding team, and uh, I think you got a team of around twelve people in your team. How, how did you get to meet your co founders, and you know, uh, how did how did it really start?
1: Yeah, so one of the co founders I actually uh, have known for many years. Uh, we went to the same high school, and she has experiences in like working in some of the best design companies like Ideal. Um, and we wanted to always work on something together and we uh, reconnected at TechCrunch uh, when we we're actually presenting the company and um, that kind of just happened, you know, <laughs> and the rest is history. The other co-founder is um, actually also through our front network who has many experience, many years of experience building technology products as a machine learning and backend engineer. And he has worked in Goldman Sachs and Amazon and um, and we really, really loved him. And then so I,
0: I brought him. Got it. And, um, uh, so, uh, you know, let's quickly do the top three. Uh, what's your favorite business book?
1: Uh, so one of my favorite ones, uh, business books that I've actually read it when I was uh, doing my MBA at Stanford, was from good to great. Um, so it's, it's a really, it's a really pretty simple idea. Um, basically it tells how companies basically go from just building the products to great products and what's the difference between the two. It's um, it's by James Collins. Right. And uh, some, some companies make the leap and become doing and, and do great things. And some, some companies, stay kind of on just a good level. Um, so I liked it because it really, I mean, being an entrepreneur, right? Like you're kind of like a crazy person in a lot of different things. Um, otherwise, why would you take the risk of starting something that, when the odds are so against you? So uh, if you have this obsession, then obviously we wanted to always build uh, great products rather than just good. So, Building a product that's good is not enough. We need to build product that's great that makes our customers come back and obsessed. Um, so that to me is so important to um, to the DNA of the company and how we uh, measure our performance. You know, as a as a standard to make sure that everything we do is 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 a professionist and we we need to make sure that the the performance that we can we can give and uh, present the
0: product we build to percent to our customers needs to be top-notch. Correct. Yeah, uh, I, I love uh, all the books from Jim Colin. Good to Great is, is an amazing book. Uh, we'll, we'll put down yeah. in the show notes. And, you know, if you could go back in time when you started working on Hello, uh, what is the one thing uh, you would have done differently or one thing you would have focused on? Um,
1: I think what we kind of, I mean, there are a lot of things I've done differently. I, you know, I'm, I wouldn't go into like too much like details because I can talk to Dave about this. Mm -hmm. But I I think like a mistake that a lot of the people make, especially early on in uh, the career as an entrepreneurial, as part of the entrepreneurial journey is that people, especially if this person kind of came from a very good education background, it's very smart is that they tend to think too much. um think too much meaning like i would think that this product will work uh, or i will build this uh, beautiful like you know ui ux and hope that the customers will love it but thinking a lot is actually not enough we need to ask so like transform that thinking to asking will actually help us um a huge way like so i wish what i did is that in the early day i wish i asked more of thinking more because um, asking means that we're getting the feedback from our customers rather than trying to you know think about solutions ourselves like being locked in a room because that like no matter how much you think you'll be very surprised by the you know what you get actually from the customers and how their actions are, because not everyone is the same as you so uh, a lot of people coming from like roughly good like I school tend to run into these kind of problems and mistakes because they feel they, pretty confident and they feel like, oh, if, if I'm smart, I should be able to figure out a solution. Okay. Building consumer, uh, consumer-oriented product is very different from like trying to do a problem, uh, <laughs> or trying to pass a test, right? So like thinking a lot actually could backfire. Um, so we really need to go outside of the office and ask people Ask a lot and um, make sure that you're getting getting a lot of notes and feedback from your prospect users.
0: Yeah, that's 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 a great advice. And uh, you know, do you have any favorite online tools? Example, uh, Gmail, Slack, uh, Zoom. Uh, Yeah, all these I think are
1: pretty um, standard, so people probably don't need my advice for. But I would say uh, what I love to share is. Um, this tool that we use and depend on so much, it's called Zapier, uh, Z-A-P-I-E-R, which is connects like uh, one application to another uh, without you being a coder. So for example, you can automate a whole workflow, uh, like whenever someone that comes in to booking a calendar with you on Calendly, then it creates a role on a, G, like a Google Sheet to, uh, enable you to manage that on the back end. So, like, basically, it it connects the APIs with different apps to allow you to create automatic
0: workflows. Very, very, very good. Correct. And, uh, you know, what is the best way people can can buy uh, f- or, or use uh, HelloAva? Sorry, can you repeat
1: that?
0: Yeah. Uh, what is the best way people can reach out to the website uh, HelloAva?
1: Uh, what's the website?
0: Uh, uh, you know, what is best way people can reach out to uh, the website where you're working on uh, Hello Ava? What's the website you can reach out to
1: the website? Oh, sorry, I didn't
0: quite understand. Uh, no, uh, uh, what I mean is, what is best way people can reach uh, and uh, you know look at the website? What, what is the domain name of the website?
1: Oh, the domain name. Yeah, it's uh, the URL is helloava.co. So. H-E-L-L-O, hello, Ava, A-V-A, dot
0: C-O. Got it. And, and what are the best way people can reach out to you?
1: Uh, they can send me an email at siki at helloAva.co.
0: Got it. And uh, if, uh, are you there on Twitter, LinkedIn? Or, or you know, should they just reach you on, on the email?
1: I think email is better. LinkedIn, I don't usually check the inbox messages because there's so many spams from random sales people.
0: I totally understand. Um, uh, Thank you, Siki, for coming on to the show and speaking to us. Uh, I really appreciate speaking to you. Thank you so
1: much for having me. It was quite an honor.
0: Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.